you just sorry did it. Well, go ahead. Oh. Welcome to Corner Conversations. Today we are talking um, through Genesis, continuing into the story of Abraham and Isaac. Wait, uh, that was good. Yeah, it was better than last week. Somehow. Hey, I usually. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Today we have <laughs> Ty. Ty Collins. Could you introduce Ty, please? Just give a little one out. One up point. It's the anniversary to that strangers. Well, no. Did, okay, so do you want to know something very fun about your wedding? That that was a mess. No, wedding. I feel like it wasn't. No. So me, uh, I, this is what happens when you cut that here. Look at this. There's a baby in there. Sit up and when I did it, go. Amber and I. I don't know why. Oh, somehow I had my motorcycle, my motorcycle, and the car at my parents. And we were coming to your wedding. I don't know. I had to be there earlier. What was happening? Yeah. And so anyway, we're driving from Upslit to Little Falls to your wedding. And Amber lagged behind. Somehow, I went faster than her. I was like, I'm not very good to follow. I just, I don't know if it's like, I either go too fast or just don't care. Probably a little bit of twit. Could be like how you do one thing, how you do all things. <laughs> oh. Just a bit of it's true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, well, I just don't care. <laughs> and this, anyway, she got behind. Anyway, I arrived at your wedding on time, and she got there about 20 minutes late because she was lost. And I tried to call her and help her, but there was no signal. Because she's not the only one that was late. My boss was like, and, I, and all my coworkers, because they were going to go with her, um, were like, okay, we have to leave at this time. We know that you're chronically late to places, so we have to leave early. And my boss was like, no, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. They're, like, walking in, like, after Rachel had already, like, walked down and everything. Yeah. Um, and bro. It's fine. So, anyway, a little public confession. Sorry. Amber was late. I was on time. <laughs> but it's your fault. I saw it on. I cheered the girl. Yeah, for right. Never made you. Wow. So, why was your wedding a mess? There's just, I mean, there's just lots of things, you know, like we had to change venue for the reception because of dancing rules, this, that, and the other. Somewhere there was lost in communication. who was supposed to take the speakers over to the, to the venue. And it was really funny because the person who was most against us doing the reception at the church was the person who ran like, up a speaker's first so we could have music. It was really sweet, but it was also, it was also kind of like that, like ironic thing. Mm-hmm. Love it all. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like I've been, I've done a lot of weddings, and I, I've, behind the curtain, there was always something. Has to be my one way. Last summer, there was a a wedding I did that. Uh, oh, it was so great. The person that the couple decided to introduce uh, everybody as they were coming into the reception. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like there was pictures in between, and it was at a different location. And so I got went straight from I did the wedding. I left and I went to the reception area, and uh, he was there. They were practically getting ready. It was like an hour in between the weather, and so I just started talking to the guy who was such a sweet guy. But I discovered that he has raging public speaking anxiety. Oh no! <laughs> and so I'm like, oh. There was a big wedding, and there was lots of people, and there was lots of everybody, and they picked the one person they picked. 
And so the thing is, is that I let him know that I just like, I said, so I'm going to be sitting in the front row because I just want to feel your experience. I had no help for him. No help <laughs> He was like, he was like, like reading, like trying to pronounce all the names and everything. And he was just pouring sweat. Oh, God. And so, poor God. Oh, it was so great. I love cutting the freezer. Dry. I don't, I don't feel nervous very often. And so when I see it, I want to just, you want to enjoy it. I wish there was video. I mean, when do you feel nervous? When? I don't know. I mean, I do get nervous. Like, I feel like it's, uh, it's more like um, running around chaotic energy, I feel like, inside my brain that makes me appear more nervous than I am. Maybe that's because I don't think I'm nervous often, but I am like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I'm just maybe you do the paper. You do the hater or hypers. Which is better than that. Like, I probably get the, the angry scowlies so you get the angry scowlies what do i get the what hypers the giddy hype giddy hypers yeah. i get the giddy hypers which do you ever feel nervous i i don't feel nervous when i'm doing something numbrunt it's for other people or if it's something that will affect other people and like if i heard you can't watch the office right i watched it okay oh, I but i get i yes i get the second hand awkward i i shrivel up Every the time Michael Scott's be. Oh, uh, there are some episodes in the office where like, Scott's taught it. Yeah, it's terrible. Kind of that's tell what happened. There's so many episodes they couldn't make today. Yeah, this show just wouldn't work if it was. Do you bore or events like Wednesday that Happy Card event that was super early that I also hadn't ever been to the venue for. Yeah, there was there was some uh, like okay here we go let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it was great, but it was definitely there. I get nervous singing. I just remember. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, I get nervous singing. Ah. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. There's it's definitely been, you know, like specials used to be cool. And that used to be a thing. And I kind of do a few of those. Yeah, I know. I'm older than you. We know. But, um, like, there was definitely multiple times where it was gone. Or, like, in high school during Fine Arts Festival, which was a big thing, I played piano. Like, I didn't. I didn't really sing for fine arts, but I played piano. And there was one time I got up there and I couldn't remember the first note. And it was the whole song that I'd worked months on. It was gone. I don't feel, so not a nervous moment, but a moment of just hideous was kind of tied all that is before we, when we were in the season before planting on church. So we, we planted in uh, January of 2006. And so in uh, December of 2005, I was speaking at a church in Wisconsin, and uh, they asked if I would sing a song, and I said yes, and I played my guitar, and I sang Mary, Did You Know? <laughs> and some reason, I didn't really run it, because it was way too much. And so I think the only thing worse, the only thing worse than singing it was having to listen to it. What makes you nervous? I don't get nervous as you are. Like, I get stressed, really. Like, and I go into town mode where, like, nothing can be happening around me right now. Like, I just need to do yeah. this thing. I don't it's been a lot of times that I felt nervous for anything. 
it's a nervous is a unique, definitely a unique feeling, uh, at, uh, very physical, mm-hmm. uh, Kim has spoken quite so many times in the corner church world. She used to feel like she was metaphoric all the time. I don't think she has that in water. She definitely feels hot nervous. And so I don't, uh, um, I, I, part of not feeling nervous though, is that I, I hate not feeling prepared. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't, I don't have any room for not being prepared. Yeah. I need life. I think that like, there's this mindset of like being comfortable and uncomfortable things, like kind of forcing yourself to be uncomfortable more often because there's a lot of growth in doing uncomfortable things. And like, that is something that I've been trying to be more mindful of. Cause there's certain things that I'm not, not necessarily nervous, but uncomfortable doing, I think. Yeah. And that makes me go, okay, like doing that is important to keep me from, and I don't keep me growing, being uncomfortable. It's so easy. Well, I like in a scenario, if there's like if a, a bit contentious or confrontational conversation has to be had. Um, I don't know if, again, I don't know if that's necessarily, it doesn't feel like nervousness, but there is a, like, this dread. Yeah, that's, that's pretty insane, fam. Oh, uh, related. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can get that. I can, yeah, those would make me a little nervous feeling, uncomfortable yeah. conversation. So, hey, could I, I talk to you right now? No. <laughs> I have nothing to say to you and nothing I, I would have to say I want to hear. No, but. Not a bit. The feeling of waiting for the conversation as well. Yeah, like. Hey, could we have a conversation out oh, two days? No, we. No, let's fight now. The bright out. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to give orange. Watching someone grade your paper. Yeah, that sounds. It's not fun. If, uh, no. If you want to give a little, like, affectionate thing to a choir church pastor just right before service starts say hey can i talk to you afterwards no and then we'll start 20 minutes late let's go get this done no, no, no. don't do it don't do it to anybody ever it's no. nice no the stress i mean i i always think like stress on sunday morning people kind of forget how stressful sunday morning can be especially you know and then like um just the, and there's just moments where like people get very businessy on Sunday morning. Like I want to talk about this or that, or, and you're just like, my brain is not, I can't do that right now. I can't do this stuff. Yeah. stuff. Helping at Corner Church definitely is why I don't feel nervous anymore because because I've gotten used to things going well. How many? Fit up enough. Yeah, it's it's just sort of the bigger thing. Roll it. Yeah, yeah. I I do think. Again, a great, like a pastoral church behind the curtain moment is where maybe externally everything is just like, uh, maybe somebody would say, it's kind of weird that there's nothing on the screen today, but uh, internally you're dealing with, you know, oh, the stream, just the streaming just went down mm-hmm. the projector uh, can't come on for some reason. Yeah. The soundboard is resetting. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, oh. my computer's doing an update. Or like the Bluetooth is going in and out or something. You're like, but I already pressed play on the video. I accidentally did forward out a video that was six minutes long so to start the video from the beginning. Yeah, we, those six. My blood thing. Yeah. Technology. Use.
Do you think Abraham felt nervous when God said, In Hey, how is sand? Go do the spade. Yo, I think, I don't know. I don't know. So, Genesis, Genesis has 20 through 22 has, has some moments, believe. And you're glad. I think that it's so great that we talked about this because I feel like there was a moment where in 21, where Abraham went up to uh, Ishmael and Hagar and said, Yes, could we talk for a second? And finally said, Hey, when you're talking about what's happening, yes, as soon as you backed up here, yeah, um, we, uh, you have to leave. Here, here's a water bottle. Oh, yeah, good luck. And then, uh, oh, but. Again, in the narrative of it, God provides, gives covenant, sees all those things. And then, then, then I feel like, which is so great, it's part of the beauty of the narrative is that as Abraham did that to Hagar, now God does that yeah. to, to, Ishmael, or to Abraham. God does to Abraham and goes, hey, uh, hey, talk before we, I know you're getting ready for your son's birthday party and stuff, but can we talk for a second? <laughs> Oh my word! And yeah, and it's funny. Well, so this is the the funny. <laughs> yeah, that, that is. I think that I I think in just like sharing these stories is that you this this is Genesis has all of these different narratives that can be veggie tailed or yeah. or you could actually read them. <laughs> then you go, oh yeah, the the kid the kids Bible version. A new daddy took. Isaac, you know, it's like, it is, uh, and then all of a sudden you really think about the story of what's really happening, and it's so much more intense. It is intense. Okay. I do love, in the beginning of 21, how they ended up naming Isaac after laughter. Yeah. Because, like, I love that, like, in the previous chapters, they talk about how Abraham laughed and Sarah laughed and, like, in disbelief, but then it's like, we actually name him laughter in, like, why would they didn't laugh, Sarah laughed. Yeah. I'd be laughed. And Penelope laughed, yeah. But they laughed in disbelief, and then they name him laughter, but it's like, it's this flawed joy commandments. Yeah. And I love, like, this mental, the gymnastics that happen sometimes. This comedy stories in Genesis where it's like, you laugh. I told you, if you're laughing in disbelief, you don't think it's going to happen. You don't think it's true. And then... They have a son at like this old age, yeah. and it's like, okay, we're actually gonna name him laughter, not because you laugh as you don't believe, but because the son is bringing joy and clip. And but the next, you know, the, then, you know the next lines. Oh no! So then they're celebrating the birth, yeah. And then Sarah thinks Agar is laughing at her, right? Right. It's but because like so, literally like like, like three quarters of an inch up in the text. Just says yeah. that uh, Sarah is saying, oh, we'll name him laughter because I am laughing. It is laughing. Everybody will laugh because yeah. this old lady has had a baby. Then then you go down, you read like three lines down, and all of a sudden it says, then Sarah was offended that Hagar was, you know. Yeah, laughing. mocking yeah. and laughing at her. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, for, yeah, very nice. So it just goes back again. No. But so there are infinite number of things to zoom in on the text there's the for sure the the looping that has been happening in, in all of genesis of god desiring relationship with humanity and doing whatever it takes mm-hmm. uh, to have and to be a restorer in spite of humanity's breaking of relationship and now again we zoom out and then there is the thing that is admirable that 
the author of Hebrews brings out as he reviews the Genesis text is Abraham's faith. Now, there's lots of complexity to this narrative. God's yeah. calling, God's covenant, Abraham's trust him that God wouldn't do ill, but also listening to God's command. And so there's a lot of things, but uh, faith is the thing that's really like brought into the greater focus. And that faith is then spurs on God to action. And, uh, and so when we think about, you know, life and faith and trust in God, it's very easy to go, you should have more faith. But I think those can be just really, really empty words. And I, and I just stop in just preparation for this. I thought, you know, if, if you were told, uh, I don't know what, any command, you need to eat better. You need to read more. You need to have more faith. Like what do, what needs to happen where that nudge or the command or whatever actually turns into a change, a lasting change? I mean, trust for yeah. proof. If someone says, hey, I think I think you should do this, and you trust that person, we're going to give it a lot more weight than yeah. some dude on the street. Hey, you should do this, yelking. But, but have trust in a relationship, yeah. like the person that tells me it, it's, and man, it depends so much, too, on like the way they tell you, and I don't know, like just there's a lot of things that happen there. If it's my doctor saying I have to change some things, that feels very different than maybe you know, I mean, it still makes it harder to change, but it feels like, like what Rich just said, the weight that you give to try to change might be a little different. The what, what you think about, how you think about it might be different. Is it easier for you to have faith in God for your world, yourself? Or to have faith in God for other people's world. Matched up. both. All right. And for me, the answer is yes. Ooh, what's dead? I don't know. Yeah. It's very easy to have faith until you don't. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've had a moment where I had. That's the thing. It's like, you know when the crap happens. It's like, yeah, that. And it's like, this is terrible. And then a little bit later, I can look back and go, mm. Well, I'm glad I did not have faith because this happened, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can't think of a time that it was like, nope. I think even faith, though, is like a complicated word. Yeah. I, you know, what does it mean to have faith in those moments? Because I think I can be very, like, if somebody comes to me with, like, what they feel like God's called them to do, I, I can really feel like I believe yeah. and trust that that's going to happen for them and, but when I see it for myself, it's a lot more complicated. We just walking in the faith. I when I read the story of Abraham and Sarah and how they have to wait so long, and I like I I see that all the time where we go, okay, so how like God said this is going to be like this. So what can I do to make that happen? What's my role to make that happen? And like I can like I think these again stories are so extreme that sometimes you go oh my word like how why would you do that what is wrong with you but I think we do this stuff every day like I think that Abraham and using Hagar and thinking maybe this is what God wanted me to do maybe this was this was always you know the intent like 
I think our human brains are always coming up with ideas to make something happen. I think one thing that to like add into that, I'd love to, we've talked about this, but there are more from all the this is that when something usually comes to, <clears throat> to our awareness, when like we're told the story, it's usually like, it's the after, like the success moment of fate, uh, you know, in the, yeah. It's a family thing and you'd say, well, we have faith for this child, for this healing, for this thing. And then, you know, we hear the story when the miracle, the, the success, the thing happens. And very quickly, we just idolize the one moment and neglect to forget about the marijuana in the background. And so, uh, you know, that that's definitely happening in this narrative as well, is that all of a sudden uh, we have the baby. Oh, well, never doubt question we're going to be everything's going to be perfect but this isn't we're not going to be this big happy family covenant all this stuff and um they're so forgetful so quickly and, and forget like all the zigzags we took yeah. to get to the end des destination all the things that like i might have thought oh this is what i'm supposed to do no is this what you know like mm -hmm. and just it not always being i don't know like it's just when I read this story about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and really all of Genesis, I think I'm processing, like, how often am I doing the same thing where I try to take something that God has promised or said, yeah. this is what I called you to do and work it in my own hands. Yeah. And even then I'm like, but is that even, is that wrong? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just very confusing and there's a lot of conflicts. Well, we, I think people, at least in, I think, in the Cornetura church world, love four quadrant charts. Oh, good. <laughs> right? Don't they? Yeah. So we're going to do one on Sunday. It's the the four quadrants. I mean, the, the vertical axis is the love, having, like, comfortable doing something for somebody and uncomfortable doing something for somebody. And then the horizontal axis is comfortable having somebody do something for you and uncomfortable having something done for you and uh uh you know it's you know you could say like uh let let somebody know that their zipper is down is that something i would have would have mild discomfort both ways that being done to me but more thankful yeah that being done to me but more uncomfortable doing that for somebody else yeah uh and so when the point of this is that we'll like wrap our heads all around that, but then how comfortable in our faith are we to have us to do something for God or to have God do something for us? And uh, I think that can show some, like you were just saying, where, where is this balance of trusting God to, to do it all and also us being invited to be part of the family? Yes, great. Because <laughs> that's where faith, faith lies in it is that faith is complete involvement of us and also complete dependence on God. Yeah. I think too, like in our, our trying to grow in character, sometimes really confusing, like, am I allowed to ask God for something I want or need? Am I allowed to, you know, is this right to do this? Is it wrong? Like, it's just so many... I don't know. It's just complicated. I feel like sometimes just yeah. the things that are going on in my head as I think about all this sort of stuff. In Hebrews 11, there is the 
like rapid fire. It's so convenient for us. But Hebrews 11 is like a review of Genesis. Or thank you, you often you. Other Hebrews. I say other Hebrews because it's not necessarily clear who it is. But that, uh, but in in it, he goes through all of these different characters, different moments, and says by faith. And so, yeah, these things happen, including honoring Abraham in by faith, being able to be obedient to God. And yeah, it's provision out of that in Pines. Mm. And so, um, you know, a conversation they'll have, like for someone like you, what makes faith important, valuable, or challenging? I think it's very easy to leave church conversation about faith as like a guilt conversation. Oh, you don't have it? Yeah. Whatever it is, and, uh, and however you quantify it. But uh, faith faith is so radically important and yet so hard to lick our generate any. I think it's so constant, too. Like, it's such a constant um, one minute I have faith, the next I don't. Like, it's just this up-down constant choice that is being made. Um, like, I feel like it's kind of one of those falls in that, like, idea of being loving. You know, like, we can be very loving one minute and then, like, I'll get too warm. <laughs> and putting somebody, like, putting somebody in the car and standing in the heat and all that, and I'm just suddenly not very loving anymore. Like, it's just these, it's, it is, it feels very constant choice. Yeah, when I, I, maybe it's even like a thing, might even do it on Sunday, because I just visualize in that, that's like, faith is like blowing bubbles. Do you like, you uh, you very gently get it a bubble created and then it floats in the air and you like it that's cool and then you like it's there in a second and then with a one touch it just explodes and disappears like it's never there and then it's like mm-hmm. yeah stay stay like i can make it it's there i can do it again but it is there. yeah that and so that's uh that's a good visual mm-hmm. it is and, and so you have to, yeah, do and redo. And in the midst of it as well is that we see throughout all biblical narrative is that uh, faith is truly remarkable to God. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus uh, has several moments. Um, I think of uh, the centurion who was not even a Jewish insider and was, well, and not seen such faith as this. And uh, yeah. one and that touched the head of his garment and was healed. Uh, was there an issue? Believing that's going to tell a long, long time. Jesus goes, God, your faith. Yeah. Just this calling out of faith is remarkable. But it's faith coupled together with grace, which is, mm-hmm. that's been the character of God that has been just on yeah. sharp display. And he is God's grace. I love, like, what you just said. I think that... Um, when we see, read these stories, we talked about this a little bit last week. We, like God calls some of his people righteous, like Noah or Abraham calls them righteous. And it's really hard to see that as humans. Like you read the story and you see, oh, but look at what he did. Look at all these mistakes he made. And then you think about faith and it isn't, it isn't about who I am. Yeah. I mean, it's about me choosing to trust in God. It isn't about my perfection, imperfection how holy I am, all those things. It is, it's outside of my, I mean, I don't want to say character because maybe faith is character, but 
or it's a developed deserving outside of our deserving outside our deserving outside of my perfection and perfection and might. Yep. That's trust. Yeah, the ending again. Like there's like simple sermonizing. We're just going okay. We saw a lot of faith today as I talked about this. Now you should have faith as well. Yeah. We've seen a lot of God's grace on display. Don't forget about God's grace, but uh, to really just put it in people's laps and and move it from, it's really hard to explain to trying to work it out, that how did grace and faith come together in building relationship with God is, uh, this isn't just like a good question for this text, but this is like, welcome to life. How, how today, as a parent, as a spouse, as a neighbor, whatever, how did grace and faith come together? I really like how when we walk out on Sunday and think about throughout the week how keeping our eyes on God and what God's doing and what he's doing around us and feeling like this question of state, how do we how do we keep that in our minds throughout the week? Because it isn't something like just through this conversation or he one moment is changing. It is something that is constant and it is something that I mean, it is daily. It's moment by moment. It's, you know, how do we keep that in our minds throughout the week? Yeah. And to tie two seemingly distant worlds together. And I think, I think something that's really powerful about narrative is that you, it's meant to make you be like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this thing. Me. Like, and, and the, the modern example that like really touches my world is that um, in esports, What's been said is that if they put out a good broadcast of like teams competing, it's going to make people want to play the game that they're watching. Mm-hmm. And so it's this idea of like there's this appropriate response to what's being put in front of you. Yeah. And so like Scott and I were talking a little bit yesterday about this, this idea that like receiving grace, um, having this experience of faith, there's an a, there's an appropriate response that goes mm-hmm. goes beyond that. Um, receiving and that it turns into action so that's that's something it's like the that's always in the back of my mind is it you know um the vast majority of us i'm sure don't feel like we're gonna be the abraham or the you know sarah these people who are being being written about but you know seeing these stories that are above the natural not necessarily not necessarily always supernatural, but you know, seeing these examples of people that have great faith who receive grapes that they don't have to be perfect. It, it's encouraging to be like, oh, I want to do that too. Mm-hmm. I think the the, the leverage has replies, but the in the midst of all this, you can say, well, what am I supposed to have faith in? What is God asking me to do? And we have to maybe the sleeping can be put into our conversation is this, but Jesus is super clear when he's looking at his disciples in the uh, winding down, winding up of his, his lifetime discipleship of them. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. And that, that is a, I mean, there's a lifetime of, of living that out. And uh, um, this is really oversimplification, maybe not even appropriate. But to say, 
uh, Abraham's call to go sacrifice his son is completely, again, outside of just a greater context, trusting of God, culture, all that stuff. It just doesn't make any sense. And I would say that Jesus' call to truly love one another, to love others like I've loved you, uh, does not make any sense yeah. a lot of times. And so to be able to walk in that and go, all right, I'm going to do it. God, you're going to provide. I trust that you're going to provide. I think it's such an important thing. And uh, in the midst of when it doesn't make sense or when it's hard or complicated or uh, even causing pain uh, to just go, all right, by faith, I'm, I'm going to do it. Got it. Rich? You mentioned the the righteous, you know, and Noah was righteous to the eyes of the Lord and Abraham was righteous in the eyes of the Lord and all mm -hmm. those things. And I think the interesting part that ties in here is God had grace and Abraham and Noah had faith, so they were found righteous, but then they messed up and then God had grace, so they had faith. Mm -hmm. So they were found righteous and then they messed up. And I think, like, we can look back and go, how in the world were these guys found righteous? Mm. But I think the other way to look back at it is, man, I'm so glad they were found righteous because we can be found righteous when we have faith and see God's grace and mess up because grace will abound in the mess up, you know? Yep. So I just think that this wasn't written until way after Abraham, but just the idea of all this stuff is happening and the undoing, you know, Paul... And I mess up in these times, but in my weakness, he is strong. Mm -hmm. Those things, I think that it just ties into, like, we can see God's grace and have maybe more faith in him when we yeah. see ourselves screwing up in how he responds to us. Mm -hmm. Now, it also says, don't keep screwing up to have more grace. But in the, in the screw up to look, I can go, God is gracious. So, uh, by grace, you've been saved through faith. And then you screw up, but you have to remember that. My grace. My grace. Yeah. Food. So I get cool. Thanks. Thanks, Ty. They did. Thanks for having me. And, you know, Tom, Ty, you are, um, I remember very clearly, which is so remarkable. The first Sunday that you um, came to Corner Church and uh, Linda, uh, just talking after service. I, I would love to say that I remember that with everybody. Victor, I had to name you with you. And uh, you have been. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You've been a great part of community for a long time, so thanks. See you. Bye.